The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's a Thursday on the Blogging the Boys podcast network, and you know that means it's time to get riled up on the Cowboys with my man Tom Ryle and your boy Roy White at RW3 on Twitter. Of course, my man Tom at Tom Ryle BTB. And what a week it's been, Tom. Uh, feels like a whirlwind of news has been surrounding the Cowboys, as does every week. And I feel like I'm saying that more and more, right, as the season yes. is going. We've got things to talk about here in Dallas land. But it's not what we were anticipating because you and I were fully expecting to be looking at this Giants team and whether or not they were a legitimate threat in the NFC East. And we will get to that because I might make the argument that they are the biggest threat in the NFC East at this point, if you can call it that. But the news of the week actually leads us right into that because we see number nine, Jalen Smith, of course, new number nine. A number that Jalen, unfortunately, this offseason paid six figures to get because he had to buy out all his old supplies of his old jerseys. Um, He got to wear that for a couple of months. And now we say goodbye. But it's not necessarily because of what a lot of Cowboys fans are thinking that just he looked terrible because he didn't look terrible this season. Mm -hmm. But in actuality, Tom, as you spoke about in the pre-show, It sounds like the real reason is because the Cowboys have their answer at his position, and I think we're going to get a lot of that on Sunday against the Giants. Yeah, I I think so. You know, this our podcast is when we kind of start treating what's gone before as water under the bridge and try to look ahead. But man, there's been a lot of water under that bridge so far Mm -hmm. this week, as you alluded to. It's but yeah, the big news here and, and something that I think really explains the timing of all this is Keanu Neal is off the COVID-19 protocol and will be back. And a lot of people were, you know, there was a kind of a ridiculous argument made that this was bad for the Cowboys because it's going to put more of a load on Michael Parsons. No. Don't give, Keanu please Neal, do not give that man any. I'm Any not. pub don't we're not even going to say his name because that's not two gonna... in a week's time that are yeah. absolutely absurd takes. Yeah. And that's you notice I was not mentioning it. I at appreciate all. that. And uh, Keanu Neal is going to come in and take more snaps than Jalen was playing. I believe, you, you know, you're going to see when they're rolling with uh, with Micah Parsons as a linebacker, you'll have basically 
him and Count O'Neill as the starters, I believe. Uh, the Cowboys off almost never are going to line up with three linebackers anyway. They are strictly running like a four-two front with a, a, a you know a, a nickel behind them, or they're running or they're running a, a, a heavy nickel. nickel package. Yeah, because they've got the hybrids. Uh, with Neil playing that, and you've also got J. Ron Curse, who's coming up and able to play that kind of role. So you'll see Parsons and uh, Neil will be your starters. When they want to move Parsons out and put him up front with like a, yeah, as a pass rusher, then you're going to see uh, that that Leighton Van Resch will take the bulk of those snaps. And all of a sudden, there's you don't really have a role for Jalen Smith anymore. Uh, he would become maybe your fifth linebacker if Jabril Cox is what we think he's going to be. And oh, we'll see him probably get some snaps, especially if the Cowboys run up a bit of a lead. And and you don't want to have a, a fifth linebacker on your roster who doesn't play special teams. So yeah, this was this was one of those situations that actually could turn out to be a win all the way around, because uh, it now looks like we may have a chance to see Jalen Smith again in the postseason, as it seems like he's about to sign with the Green Bay Packers, hmm. and he may he may actually be an upgrade for them, uh, whereas he was a you know kind of detriment for the Cowboys in some ways. Now that they've got Neil back, so. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, he may be in our future at some point. And, uh, but I'm, I'm mostly excited to see if this defense can take a, a step forward now that they are playing without him, uh, which, you know, if they do, then that's pretty much going to be justification for the final decision. And this is just an exciting team now. Uh, I can't remember the level of this excitement because, you know, also, that man, you know, when our, 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 you know, Trayvon Diggs did it again twice and has five interceptions on the year after his two-pick game against the uh, Panthers. And, my gosh, uh, when, I can't remember when we've had a ball hawk playing on this team like he is playing right now. And the rest of the uh, defense, it, it's – it's vulnerable to some big plays. That's the one concern. They've had a little bit of trouble stopping teams in the red zone. Outside of that, you know, last week we saw the pass rush break out. You know, Randy Gregory got two. Uh, you know, Osia Digazua, uh, you know, got in uh, on a half a sack. Uh, you know, uh, who was it he shared that one with? Oh, uh, Chauncey Goldston suddenly yeah. – who's only been on the field for two games and is starting to make an impact. You know, Micah Parsons chipped in a sack, uh, you know, man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then, oh, let's go give props to Terrell Basham, who, uh, you know, I really wasn't sure was even going to make the team. He had a sack. So this defense under Dan Quinn and, you know, I can't say how much, Dan Quinn has meant to this team. Uh, the defense looks night and day from what we saw last year. Uh, there was an interesting quote from uh, Parsons, I believe, where he said that the way they develop their game plans and, and put their plays together is 
if they don't like it, they don't do it. That Quinn takes the temperature of the team and find out if something they feel is not good for them, they don't do it. When they have something they like, they go out and perfect that and do it better. And if that's how he's doing it, it's kind of an unusual approach. I've never heard of a coach quite letting his players uh, shape the, uh, the playbook like that. But you can't argue with success, can you? Absolutely not. And I think I endorse and appreciate coaches that have that collaborative effort, effort with the players who are out there on the field seeing. And now I, I guess I don't want to go too far and allow the, you know, the, the players to necessarily run the coaching room because I do think there always needs to be kind of an oversight, a wise man in the room that has a take on what he's trying to do and wants to keep everybody on the same page. But, you know, you should be conferring with the players as to what they're most comfortable with. That was something that I think a, a season ago left a lot to be desired and was one of the big complaints we had about the defense was that they weren't putting players in the best positions for them and what they were capable of. Now, maybe they just weren't capable of running any scheme competently. And that's a discussion that we would have had last off season and probably did many, many times. But as far as what we're seeing this year, there's every reason for fans to be excited and believing that this can build into something even better than what we've seen from a defensive standpoint. And what we've seen so far is the second best in the league in terms of turnovers right behind the Buffalo Bills. They've got 10. The Bills have 11. Uh, in four games, mind you, that's two and a half turnovers per that they are averaging. They're tied with the Bills in terms of turnover ratio, right? They're at plus seven. So they've only turned the ball over three times in those four games while forcing 10 turnovers. And all those things kind of build into what has become a team that can win without Dak Prescott needing to throw for 350, right? Have we noticed yeah. that in the last several weeks that it hasn't been 100% reliant on what Dak Prescott can do with this offense because we know the running game is going to be there, and it certainly was there when we needed it against Carolina, against a stingy Carolina defense. And now we're a quarter of the way through the season, right? You can start to make some judgments about what you see around the NFL after a quarter of games being played. Now, granted, it's not, you know, the entire picture, but there's enough there to not only be encouraged by what you've seen, but feel like it can get better. And that is yeah. how I feel looking forward at this defense is, They've only been under Dan Quinn's scheme for four games. Micah yeah. Parsons, yeah. just this past game, saw his snap count rise over 70%. He played 98% of the snaps and maybe, again, good reason why there might no longer be a need for a Jalen Smith here. Not only is Keanu Neal coming back, but for the first time this season, Micah Parsons was basically on the field for every defensive snap. And if that's going to be the case – You've only got room for one other linebacker out there in most scenarios. And mm -hmm. if that's going to be a combination of Leighton Vander Esch, Keanu Neal, and Jabril Cox, I'm more than happy to run with that from a defensive side of the ball. So, yeah, and it, yeah I was going to say it's interesting. You also mentioned Dak Prescott a while ago talking about the offense. Looking at what Micah Parsons said about them, you know, the players having input on it. Well, every week uh, when you've got a good quarterback like Dak, uh, 
the offensive coordinator, the quarterback coach, and the head coach sit down with the quarterback, and they ask him, what do you like? What do you want? What do you see? Well, why won't that work with the quarterback of your defense, who right now it looks like it's going to be Micah Parsons? Because the one of the other things Quinn said was that Parsons had the green dot. He had the radio link so that he was getting the defensive call from the coaches, from Dan Quinn, I believe, up in the press boxes, who actually makes that call. And if you do, if that works so well with, with your offense, why shouldn't you be looking at your defensive players and saying, okay, what do you guys think about this play? Can you do this well, or is this something that's not really in your wheelhouse? How about this one? You literally seem to like this. Can we kind of build on that? That, to me, makes perfectly good sense. And I didn't find the, the comment for that, for, I guess for those reasons, I didn't find those comments from Parsons at all disturbing. No. And I agree with you. I mean, it, it's very much the conversation of, you know, was Ray Lewis included on the defensive meetings? Yes. Was Luke Keekley included on the defensive meetings and allowed to speak his mind on those and give his input? Yes. Brian Erlocker? Yes. Um, that's what I think we have in Micah Parsons in terms of a leader, not necessarily in terms of those types of players, because I think actually he may be more versatile than any of those three that I named Will he be a Hall of Famer? Time will tell on all yeah. those fronts because those three guys were Hall of Fame caliber players. I don't know if Keekley's going to get in because he didn't have enough time, but that's a conversation for another day. One concerning aspect of the defense, though, that I do want to point out because it hasn't been talked about because it hasn't hurt them that much, but the Cowboys' defense actually has 42 penalties against it. Yeah. And so that leads the NFL by a wide margin. The next two best teams, or excuse me, two worst teams, the Falcons and the Bengals, have 37 and 32 penalties. So the next two, after the number one penalized team in the league in the Cowboys at 42, the next two have five and 10 less yeah. than the Cowboys do. Yeah, and some of that may just be just the more aggressive pay. The, the league admitted that the uh, unnecessary roughness call – uh, that was made, uh, I can't remember who drew that, but they admitted that there was an unnecessary roughness call that was bogus just because it was such a smashing hit, but it was a completely legal and clean hit uh, during the, the Panthers game. So, yeah, some of them, okay, maybe a little bit questionable, but, yeah, they need to clean things up. I think some of that can be because they're playing with a lot of youth on the defense. And also there's a little bit of a factor of even some of the older guys are new to the team. So, you know, maybe, maybe they can clean that up. I don't know. That's a hard thing to address, but I don't want them to sacrifice aggressiveness and the way that they're kind of bringing the wood to other teams and, and putting a little bit of hurt on them because that's part of football, even with all the rules to try to protect the players. I don't want to see that sacrifice because you're scared of, Oh, maybe I want to draw a little laundry out there. So, yeah, I would like to, that's something I think that needs to be addressed. Um, and as you said, we're only four games into the Dan Quinn regime. So there's, there's plenty of time to start cleaning stuff up. And that's certainly an area we can hope is going to turn around. Well, boy, if it does uh, turn around, right, if we start cleaning it up, we're coming off the backs of two blowout wins and a close win against what we thought as the season began was a really good football team in the Chargers. 
And then a close loss against the Buccaneers that, quite frankly, they could have won, barring mm -hmm. a uh, non-PI call that took place there. Late yeah, in the and game. also barring a, a bad performance from a certain Greg Zerline, who is yeah. interesting. Uh, he is one of the guys, if you're looking forward, one of the questions I have is, are you ready to trust Greg the leg right now? Or do you think the Cowboys might be, maybe should at least be thinking about bringing in some other kickers just to have some ideas? It's too late. It's too late. I mean, yes, they should yeah. have been doing this in the preseason, right? They should not mm -hmm. have rested on the fossilitis of believing that just, hey, uh, that's his guy and, and he'll be fine. Um, I understand that, right? And I understand giving him the opportunity to do that when he's healthy. But you had four weeks in the preseason that you could have brought somebody in to take a realistic crack at it. And yeah. you never took that opportunity. Now, I mean, is it kind of too late? Are you going to find a better kicker out there at this time than Greg Zerline? Probably not unfortunately yeah he does still have a booming leg that you know from 55 to 60 like i still think he has a shot to hit that and shoot i almost feel better about those long distance ones when he is concerned yeah. as opposed to kind of the even the extra points or the the field goals that appear to be routine but yeah you know i can't i i wanted to criticize them and i did criticize them for not making a move in the preseason I can't criticize them now, though, for not addressing it because I'm not exactly sure what other better options are available. Yeah, I, th I think they should at least be trying to find the fallback plan in case something goes wrong because, you know, what if he gets hurt again? And, you know, I think they've got the uh, guy that filled in for him during preseason on the practice squad now mm -hmm. uh, without taking time to go look at the roster. But, you know, I would – I think they need to be be prepared for something there, but maybe that's just me. Um, you know, now, though, we got the Giants coming up, and the Cowboys have a chance, I think, to really start putting a, a lock on the NFC East already if they can take care of business against the Giants because, you know, as you were talking about when we were getting wound up for this uh, podcast, the Giants may be the second best team in the NFC East right now. The shocking, I know. Um, now they are one in three, right? They lost their first three games of the season, but they are coming off a win. Uh, uh, not a great win. Uh, you know, a decent win where Daniel Jones actually looked good. And the good news for them is he's not turning the ball over at the historic rate that he was a season ago, right? Fumbles, yeah. interceptions. That was kind of the guy who Daniel Jones had become. Now, as we look at it, the reason I think the Giants might be the biggest threat is because he appears to be the second best quarterback in the division. And if I'm going to base my chances or my threat level on the teams that they're up against, I'm going to base it probably on the quarterback, especially given what we've seen from Washington's defense, which has not been impressive. And mm -hmm. what we've also seen from Philadelphia's defense, which has been unimpressive and is significantly struggling from an injury standpoint. Yeah. And that's a, 
it's kind of interesting because if if Danny Jones, who I think may be at this point better than Jalen Hurts and you know Heineke, Heineke, I can't, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. Heineke, for you got fo- it. Heineke for the football team. You know, it's going to be a matter of is Jason Garrett going to use him properly, which is. You know, we know in Cowboys world that that's a little bit of an open question, uh, you know, but they they've still got Saquon Barkley. Uh, I believe he's I, I don't know. I don't think he's in any kind of injury status. Is no, it? he had two but, touchdowns last week. He finally started yeah. to look a little bit like himself. Yeah. So they may if they can get some offense going, uh, you know, then it's maybe mainly going to come to his defense. And then there's an interesting point to be made about the defense is all these teams that get all excited about how well their defense is doing, like the Carolina Panthers were before they played the Cowboys. How good your defense does is almost, well, to a very large degree, a function of the quality of the offenses you faced. And the Panthers hadn't faced an offense like Dallas's. And Dallas went out there and – particularly on the ground, they just shredded them. So, you know, people put a little bit too much like they did with the football team. The football team probably rode a lot on some fairly weak offenses last season, and now it ain't working out so well for them. Uh, Defenses are – defenses have to be complementary. They have to help the offense. But by and large, with a few – very few rare exceptions in the NFL – they aren't going to carry a team. And right now that's, you know, the Cowboys will win on the strength of their offense, which right now looks really strong, even while they're missing Michael Gallup still. And I think the defense is starting to show it can step up, uh, get some takeaways, get some stops, get some sacks. And that's what the Cowboys need. You know, get the ball back in the hands of the offense and let Kellen Moore cook. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And he is cooking the way he's been going here recently. I mean, this is where I believe, again, the, the hype train kind of begins for the Cowboys. Four of their next five opponents have just one win on their ledger the Giants the Patriots the Vikings 
the Broncos, obviously, at 3-1, and one, but who knows what they'll be at that time. And then the Falcons, all just one win between them. In fact, if you look down the Cowboys' schedule, there's probably only two teams they aren't favored against the rest of the way. And that is, of course, being at the Kansas City Chiefs and then at home against the Arizona Cardinals. And honestly, that one could go either way because that's the second to last game of the season. If that game was handicapped right now in at AT&T Stadium, I think the Cowboys would be favored by a point or two even still. But those are kind of the only two spots where I see trouble lying ahead. So from a soft underbelly perspective, the Cowboys are in it. And I think this is a perfect opportunity for their defense to take advantage of it. Now, there are some pieces about the Giants that I am somewhat concerned about. Kenny Galladay has started to find himself a little bit on the outside, and he's gotten into a rhythm with Daniel Jones ever since his tirade on the sidelines. And their defense hasn't looked horrific, although they also don't strike fear into the hearts of any Cowboys fans, especially knowing what we have on the offensive side of the ball. So as you look at this game, again, I feel myself trying to hold back my overconfidence, but at the same time, that overconfidence has been there for the last two weeks. I thought they would stomp out the Eagles and there would be a late touchdown in the game that didn't matter. And sure enough, that's the way that it went. I thought they would stomp out Carolina. And although Carolina got it to within one score, when you really think about it, their last score was kind of inconsequential because the Cowboys had a two touchdown lead and it felt like they were playing prevent defense, right? It didn't feel like they were going after Carolina to try to stop them on those last two touchdown drives that they had to make it close. Yeah. There might've been, and I don't necessarily agree with it, but there might've been a tactical decision uh, to just not give them, you know, to try to just not worry about that too much. Well, when you because, play, when you take Trayvon Diggs out for two straight series and they score yeah. a touchdown, you kind of say to yourself, are we really doing everything we can to prevent a touchdown here? Or are we just no, doing I, what we can to make sure the clock runs out and we go home with a victory? Yeah. And yeah. Trayvon Diggs was a matter of, I think they wanted to make sure they didn't mess him up further when he's off to such an incredible start. And the clock running out thing is important because remember Carolina had already burned all of its timeouts. They had no way to stop the clock. And with the Cowboys running game, they felt that they could, you know, once, once it got to eight points, they just felt all I had to do was run it out. And what did they do it with a brilliant little option running play between Zeke and Pollard Mm -hmm. that got them the first down and, to the Landry formation, which is still the greatest way to end a football game ever created. And I just, uh, yeah, I, I, I really felt like they were in control of that game with only the minutest chance that Carolina could pull off some kind of a miracle comeback just to even tie it up. So, yeah, I, I really feel like they got care, careful and cautious, maybe a bit more than some of us might like, but It works, so how much can you really fault it? You can't. I don't think, at least, uh, of course, you could levy criticism against the defense. Why not, you know, try to put your foot on their throat or why allow it to get close at the end? But we had been asking for an opportunity for Maurice Kennedy, right? Um, It didn't really go the way that we were all kind of hoping. At least it didn't go the way that it looked in the preseason, but 
it gives them an opportunity to try to find some guys, another guy out there since, hey, uh, we weren't in the Stefan Gilmore sweepstakes of the week, which perhaps should not come as a big surprise, but I think a lot of Cowboys fans were clamoring for that addition and certainly would have given up the compensation that Carolina did. They just didn't have the cap space to pull off a move like that. The Cowboys only have about $4 million in cap space currently. Not to say yeah, they couldn't pro- have moved money around, but they would have had to do it very quickly to make yeah, it happen. And I think they're sitting on that powder. They're trying to keep that powder dry for next year when they're going to have to make some uh, some restructures and stuff uh, just to get back on the plus side in cap space. They're like 18 and a half million in the hole right now. So I think they're trying not to get into that unless they absolutely get forced into it by some kind of bad development. So we won't talk about too much so as not to jinx things. Uh, but, you know, Kennedy's an interesting name to mention because they still have, are going to have to make at least another move, I think, with Bradley and I coming back uh, from, uh, from his own problems. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking Kennedy is a possible move that might, they might make. They also might look at the Kamara, as I mentioned, uh, and this might be when uh, the wide receiver Malik Turner might find himself making a trip back to the practice squad. So, you know, we've still got some moves to make, but, you know, had this discussion about weak links with David Halman in an article that uh, should be going up shortly, uh, if it's not up already, and you know, what are the weak links left on this team? Uh, one that was mentioned uh, that is maybe Tyler Biotish, who everybody thinks is the weak link on the offensive line. That would be the but second did, place I would go. But did you notice that the interior of the offensive line gave up zero pressures, zero hits, of course, and zero sacks against the Panthers and their supposedly great defense? Uh Seems like that one way or another, either Biotish is getting his act together or they are scheming their way around it with, you know, because after all, he's got the great Zach Martin on one side. He's got a much underappreciated Connor Williams on his other side. And now we see that the Cowboys have two running backs who are great at blitz pickups because Tony Pollard laid somebody out on a play to make sure Dak had time to get his throw off again last week. So, you know, the weak links that you look at on the Cowboys right now are just not as weak as we've seen in past years. And that's with so many starters still waiting to come back. So, you know, with the, the pass rush is coming around, well, won't it just get better when Demarcus Lawrence shows up? If the interior of the defensive line is terrorizing people, won't that get better when Neville Gallimore shows back up? Uh, if the 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 uh, passing Might not even game have a spot can, for Tristan Hill when he comes back. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with him. Uh, that's a question I, I would not be surprised if they don't somehow decide, oh, well, that's a season-ending problem you've got, just stash him on IR for another year. Well, there is one uh, guy coming yeah. back I do want to mention because he was in the news today or this week here within the past 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. That is uh, Lyle Collins, who apparently has moved forward with his lawsuit against the NFL, and he's alleging two things. Number one – that the substance abuse policy that came into play in 2020 
does not allow for players to be suspended. It only allows for players to be fined. So he's citing the most updated policy, which again, I think that's a decent point, although the infractions might've taken place before that policy was in place. But the second part that he and his lawyers are alleging does make a bit of sense to me. And if this was truly the case, Lyell seems to have a good case. It's just maybe a little bit too late. He is alleging that the NFL used their an argument in his arbitration to try to verify that his suspension should be upheld, his five-game suspension. They argued that it should be held up because he was previously suspended by the NFL for four games. And even though that never happened, the arbitrator took that statement as fact and ultimately leaned on it heavily to uphold Lyle's five-game suspension. So what ultimately comes of this? For Cowboys fans, unfortunately, maybe we get a game out of him. Maybe we get him back one game early, one week early. I don't think this is going to be heard before this weekend's game against the Giants. I wouldn't hold my breath. But if he has a case to be made, I guess from Lyle's side, he can argue that he should still be paid his game checks. And maybe from a morale standpoint, I don't know. I'm not even going to pretend to say that does anything for me as a Cowboys fan or does anything for the locker room at all. I just, it's a little bit of a head scratcher. It's newsworthy. I'm somewhat pleased that he's doing it, but I'm also kind of like, there's only two weeks left. So why not just take your medicine and roll? Well, I, th I think you hit on the key thing. This could be game checks for him. And that's a substantial chunk of change when you miss five games at the level he's being paid at. Yeah. And uh, just to, to clarify, what he's doing is he's asking for, I believe, an injunction against the NFL and a stay on the suspension uh, so it can be further adjudicated. Uh, yeah, I don't think this is going to make any real difference in the course of the play for the season. I think this is more about his personal status and particularly that, that financial aspect. And I will admit, part of me really hopes he wins this just to give the league a loss in one of the suspensions of the Cowboys because God, you as... know what that you know what that's exactly right like for Cowboys fans <laughs> perspective after what they did to Zeke after what they've done to Tank and now Lyle and and on and on and on it feels like they've done this so many times where they've held Cowboys players to a higher standard than they hold the rest of the league or at least punish them to a harsher degree than they do the rest of the league. I wouldn't mind seeing that as well. Right. I, I think that's a fair, if nothing else to give the league a little bit of a stiff arm to say like, Hey, back the half off for just a second, like go after someone else to the same degree that you come at us. And if you do that, then maybe we can have a real conversation, but until then yeah, like the whispers are still going to continue that the league has it out for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, and the fact that Richard Sherman signed and is not facing any kind of a suspension or action that we know of just adds fuel to the fire. Yeah. So, you know, because he's in Tampa Bay now, but he's got some, I think it's a domestic violence issue or something. And, or there's some kind of a, something like that. Yeah, something I'm not involving really his, his uh, uncle or like one of his in-laws, I believe, uh, someone on his wife's yeah. side of the family that he was involved with. It wasn't like male and female type of domestic yeah. violence. So I do want to be clear on that. 
But at the but same still, time, still violence is violence, right? Yeah, it's an assault charge. And it's just like, well, why has nothing been done on this? And why is he allowed to be with Tampa Bay? Uh, you know, it does it does look like favoritism, but you know, we're used to maybe it. We, we shrug our shoulders, more. whatever, fine. Like we'll still yeah. keep rolling. Maybe we, we don't should care. focus more on the games that are coming up because that's really, really what we're talking about. We're looking. I just am. am I'm like you. I don't want to just start getting arrogant about the fact that we're going to curb stomp people. I will be disappointed. But I'm going to predict it. Yeah, I will be disappointed if the Cowboys don't put the Giants in their place and make it clear that they are the class of the division and everybody else is just kind of trailing along in their dust. Um, you know, especially since the the division teams still are going to have to pick off each other somewhat behind them. Um, so, yeah, I, it's, it, you know, Overconfidence is usually not a good thing, but how do you fight it right now? Because we've seen we've seen this team not only do well, it seems to be getting stronger every week in some ways. And it's got, you know, there there doesn't seem to be an answer uh, to their offense because you you try to take away the run, Dak will either pick you to death or occasionally lean back and put a perfect pass into Amari Cooper's arms or something. And if you try to, you know, drop back and take away the pass, uh, Elliot and Pollard are just going to beat you to death and occasionally rip off a big run of the arm. How thrilling was it to see Ezekiel Elliott go loping for 45 yards, uh, you know, bust through the line on a beautifully blocked play up the gut, you know, hat tip to Tyler Biotish and Zach Martin and the other guys up front. I mean, that was so refreshing. It'd been so long since we'd seen something like that. And, you know, suddenly Zeke is back. The old Ezekiel Elliott that seemed to be virtually unstoppable on the ground looked virtually unstoppable against the Carolina Panthers. So if the Cowboys have that, if they have a healthy Dak who, Oh, by the way, took one sack, you know, and, or was it, no, he didn't take a sack. He took a quarterback hit one, one, one quarterback hit, which means that they're protecting him. Uh, and he's also playing smart and, oh yeah, he's running again. Uh, he's running and being very careful with himself, but when the time comes, he can go like, oh, hey, look, I'll just kind of gallop 15 yards here and get us out of a, a first and long into a second and very manageable. I mean, you know, you, you almost, you know, knock on wood, you worry about something happening. But right now, I just, it's very exciting what's, what's coming down the pike. And like you said, this is such a favorable-looking schedule the rest of the way for the Cowboys. Uh, you know, if they take care of business this week, then, you know, it's it's entirely possible they could get to, to eight or nine wins very quickly in the season and pretty much be running away with the division. I'm saying the hype train is about to begin if it hasn't already. Game against the Giants this weekend – 
division rival. They win that game. They move to four and one around the rest of the NFC East, right? The Washington football team plays host to the New Orleans Saints. And the Eagles are on the road against the Carolina Panthers, who just added Stephon Gilmore. So they got a little bit more formidable on the defensive side of the ball. That's a game that I think Philly loses and finds themselves in a one and four hole. Does Washington lose against New Orleans? I think they're slightly favored in that game, and I think I would probably pick them to win that game just because I'm not really sure what New Orleans is. They've had some good performances, especially week one, where they beat the snot out of Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. And then they've absolutely laid some eggs here recently that I'm just not exactly sure what that football team is. So I wouldn't hold out too much hope that both of the NFC East opponents uh, in the Eagles and the football team are going to be losing this weekend, but there's a good possibility of it. And if that happens, the Cowboys could be staring at, you know, what, what amounts to be a, a three game lead or a, a two game lead already five weeks into the season. Yeah. And if that does happen, yeah, we're going to be cocky. <laughs> That's all you can say. Well, I think there's reason to be Cowboys fans. If you're listening, if you're not excited about what you're seeing on the field, then I don't know if you're watching that closely because they are providing answers to everything that's being thrown at them. And they're doing it in a way that is kind of the way that idealistically, when we've asked, when we've asked more from teams of recent years, this is what we've been looking for. Creativity on the offensive side of the ball, turnovers from the defensive unit, right? The ability to bend, but not break. Right. And, and even though the defensive statistics don't look amazing, right, they are averaging giving up 24 points a game. So that's not like phenomenal, but that's good enough when your offense is expected to score 30 a game. And I think those numbers are going to get better over the next several weeks. As we mentioned, Giants, Patriots, and then a bye before they take on three more teams that they're likely favored against. So against New York, Tom, if you had to put a score on it, what say you with the Cowboys hosting the New York football team? I'm God, this is probably stupid. I'm going to say that, that, that they're going to be flirting with 40 burger and just won't quite get there because there won't be any real need to. I think the Cowboys are going to win like 38 to 24. Uh, and just like you said, the 24 is probably going to represent at least uh, one meaningless touchdown late because that's just how Jason Garrett rolls. Amen. 37-20 for me. Again, Cowboys roll, stomp it out early. Uh, will we get some Cooper Rush in there? Probably not to that extent, right? Uh, maybe some Will Greer, if you will. I wouldn't mind seeing a little <laughs> bit of will, will Greer and what he can do. But think about what Dak Prescott is doing with this offense. In the last two games, CeeDee Lamb has just four catches for 79 yards, and he hasn't had Michael Gallup this entire time since week one. And we're still looking at an offense that, again, back to averaging 30 points a game. They're right there here this yards. season. Sorry? 400 yards last week. 400-yard games. Um, the offense looks like it's humming, and the defense is finally looking like it can at least play its part. 
going forward. So let us know what you think, actually, on Twitter, on social media. You can hit up at Blog and the Boys. You can, of course, hit Tom up at, at Tom Ryle BTB. You can hit me up at RW3. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you think of the pod. And, of course, continue to listen to all the great podcasts here on the Blog and the Boys podcast network. You will hear ours every Thursday to get riled up on the Cowboys. For Tom Ryle, I'm Roy White. Another Thursday in the books. Cowboys, go get it on Sunday, and let's move to 4-1. and one. We'll see you guys next week. We out.